The demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here is your host, Jose Solis. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Halliburton Labs. Halliburton Labs works with early stage companies to help accelerate their growth by providing access to operational expertise, mentorship, as well as financing opportunities as companies prepare to scale. Enter to win their weekly giveaway at halliburtonlabs.com forward slash giveaway. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Sergey Garisimovich. He is the CEO and co-founder of Easy Blockchain and was recently featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 Europe list this year. Sergey began his entrepreneurial journey following his time at university to capitalize on his education in linguistics by creating a translation consulting service company that catered to U.S. companies wanting to do business internationally. Following that venture, he founded an online retail company from which he successfully exited. And since then, Sergey has worked with clients in energy, manufacturing, e-commerce, and software, which has helped him gain valuable hands-on business experience within multiple industries. Sergey's passion is energy and technology, so he founded a company that helps oil and gas producers utilize what would otherwise be wasted gas to produce electricity used to mine cryptocurrency, while also reducing emissions and generating revenue. So without further ado, let's welcome Sergey. Hey, Sergey. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you. You? Awesome. Awesome. Doing really well. Doing really well. Just to get a sense of geography, where are you at today in the world? I'm based out of Chicago. So right now I'm sitting in the Chicago office alone, <laughs> working hard. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because you guys are doing something really unique in the oil and gas industry right now, specifically in the oil and gas energy industry that helps oil companies reduce their carbon footprint. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you that you consider it very interesting. <laughs> well, our company is providing oil and gas companies a unique solution to mitigate their flaring or monetize their stranded natural gas. So we help them to learn how to utilize that natural gas to generate power. And we use that power to mine Bitcoin right on site in the well pads, which is, which is a very unique solution because it can be installed anywhere in the world, and it can help oil and gas companies not only mitigate their flaring numbers, it also can help them to make some extra revenue on that wasted gas. So how does that work exactly? I mean, they just, they're taking the excess flare-off gas, and then it's going into a unit, and then that unit runs like the computers that run the transactions to mine the Bitcoin? How's that work exactly? It's too much what you just said. Let's <laughs> get back a little bit. Well, so first, like we use natural gas, uh, natural gas and generate power. That's the first step, right? So the power generation in oil fields has been around probably for 50 years, maybe more. Don't quote me on that. So we generate power and that power has to be used for something. So since there is so much flare gas in the oil field, there is a lot of bends of power. And what we do, we bring in a mobile data center, which is filled with the power-hungry cryptocurrency mining equipment. And we run them there on that power and mine cryptocurrencies. So this is a very interesting way to utilize wasted energy in the field because cryptocurrency mining is very power-hungry. 
So it is one of the only systems that can use so much power on a such small footprint, which is very important for oil and gas folks. Interesting. And you guys have done this mainly just in the United States, or now you guys are, I noticed that you guys have another hub outside the United States. So you're doing it internationally as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we recently have helped to install a couple of locations abroad in Canada. We have a manufacturing facility, which is out of Europe. We, outside of United States, the only country we work with is Canada. Even though we have a lot of demand coming from South America and Middle East as well. But, you know, it's so much of these projects. So we cannot just handle all of them in a very short period of time. So it's one step at a time. Yeah, for sure. So as a co-founder and CEO of a company that's starting to scale up, kind of give me some color as to some of the challenges that come with, you know, growing your business from a startup to a scale up. Wow. That's a very tough one. I'm going to start complaining. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, very interesting part of doing business and scaling business that you do not not know when it's going to happen. You do not plan for scaling. It just happens by itself, naturally. So we are in the same type of situation that we didn't plan to scale, let's say, in 2021. Let's have 10 times more locations than we had in 2020. What happened in our situation was that because of pandemic, oil went negative and natural gas prices didn't go up. And oil and gas producers were looking for the ways to make extra money, as well as there is more regulation coming into place to stop flaring. And they were looking for for solutions. So we found ourselves one day that our product, our system, our solution is needed by many companies all around the country and abroad as well. So we had to manage that demand. And that was that was the tough part. So when you say, you know, manage that demand, what do you mean? Like as far as like taking steps to manage the demand, like, you know, managing expectations or how did that work? Yeah, well. The problem was that what we do is very new and unique. And we spent the last couple of years explaining to the world that this system is a solution. It's a good solution. It will help oil and gas producers to make more money as well as to mitigate flaring. And not so many people listen to that. But during the pandemic, because of the prices, people started realizing that, hey, it could be a solution. So let's, let's go to those guys who were talking about this in the last two years and by them to help us. And we had so many clients reaching out in literally in the span of a couple of weeks that we couldn't manage all of it. So we had to ramp up our hiring. We had to meet the demand of the market. And then we started receiving sales and some of the projects were not successful. We couldn't deliver what we promised to because we had so many clients at the same time. And since we were waiting so long to to get those clients we obviously didn't want to say no to any of them but we had to to say no to some of them that's interesting so let's sort of back up here for a second now because you touched on something that i think is really important especially during a scale-up process which is the hiring process right when you guys started hiring what were some of the things that you said okay when when sergey goes and you're looking for employees what are you looking for exactly So we were looking for people in sales mostly and people in project management. And the problem with that is that we are a cryptocurrency mining company, and yet we are an energy company. So it's tough to find people in crypto who understand the energy, and it's very tough to find people in energy who understand crypto. 
So obviously we were looking for people who understand both, but it's never the case. You can find only one type of person who would understand one type of the industry here. So that was the toughest part because at the end of the day, regardless of who you hire, oil and gas guy or crypto guy, you will have to teach him or her other industry. And that's the biggest problem we have had and we're still having because of such a new industry that we're working in. Because at the end of the day, a year ago, it was not so popular. Cryptocurrency mining was not so popular. And not that many people were thinking about cryptocurrency mining as a career path. And now things have changed, but yet there is not enough talent to meet the demand from the industry, especially in our in our company. In terms of, so I understand the knowledge part, that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Understanding one and not the other or vice versa. But what do you look for as far as personality traits, you know, certain things like that? I mean, as far as the ideal candidate profile, what would you say you're looking for when you're considering hiring somebody? Yes. Well, probably one of the main traits that we would be looking for would, would be a willingness to learn because there's a lot to learn. And if the person is eager to learn and is open to learn new things about the crypto industry, about the oil and gas industry, that's probably going to be the best candidate for us, regardless of position we're going to be hiring that person for. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you started this company with a co-founder, correct? Yes, in 2017. And did you guys already know each other or was that relationship that was formed over time? How did how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. We, we did work together on other projects. I worked with Vlad. His name is Vlad. I worked with Vlad on other projects of his. And then we, we had some other type of relationship as I provided some consulting services for his businesses. And then we technically got into this business by accident. I was researching <laughs> topic and he was researching this topic and then we happened to had uh, some common friends of ours and clients of ours who were interested in purchasing cryptocurrency mining equipment and that's how we put together a company so we didn't really plan this to be an energy savior a company that will help oil and gas companies to stop flaring and and mine bitcoin at the end of the day so it was a very interesting unique experience to start everything from scratch without having a big vision and then obtaining that vision during the first month of the business. That's what was very interesting. So lucky enough, I know Vlad and we have a different type of skills, which is very good for two co-founders that they don't do the same work in the company. Yeah, I've heard that before that when you're you know looking for a co-founder or if you're considering a co-founder for a startup that you know, you definitely want to find somebody that has skills that complement yours. So that really coincides with what I've heard before in the past. So thank you for answering that. Yeah, you don't need to look for a friend when you start a business. You have other, you have friends outside the business. So you need to, <laughs> yeah, you need to find a person who would help you to build this business. And you're not supposed to be sharing the same skills or the same views. That's the different angles usually helps a lot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. I mean, you definitely don't want somebody who has the exact same skill set because I think that, you know, obviously you guys would be doing the same work, right? So you want somebody that can complement your skill set. So some of the things that come along with not just starting a company, but scaling up a business, I'm sure it's 
very stressful. It sounds like there's a lot of stress, especially when you have this period of time that, you know, the demand started to spike and, and you weren't able to deliver on that demand. What were some of the things when you look back that you say, here's how I dealt with that and here's how I would advise somebody else to deal with these kind of problems whenever that happens? Because it seems like it's almost inevitable at times that you're going to deal with stress when scaling up a business. Wow. This is this is a very tough question. You know, the very simple answer, which is used by most people, is never give up. And I mean it because they're going to be very tough times. And those times uh, seems like never going to end, but certainly they will. And if you survive through hard times, you're always uh, going to win. And that's what helped us to come to where we are. We, we had to go through a crypto winter in 2018, 2019, when Bitcoin was not so much accepted by society, number one. Number two, we didn't have the exact business model that we would be pursuing at that time. And it was very hard because we didn't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. So not giving up helped us a lot. Obviously, you have to be resourceful. Resourcefulness is one of the best features of character any person can have. That's, I believe, one of the best. Because when you utilize everything around you to the benefit of your of yourself or your organization, that's very important. So you don't wait for some miracle to happen, but you 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 stand up, you move on, you find the resources, be it different tools, be it researching the internet, friends, some networking, anything that you can think of, you utilize to build your business, that's a big deal. So anyone who would want to start a company and think that this is only about, you know, hiring people and them doing the job for you, that's that's not at least my experience. At the end of the day, you need to work more than anyone in your company, at least the first three to five years, because that's what business is about. It's your business. You have to build it. Excellent. And I mean, now that you are getting into the energy industry, because it seems like this is really your your first business in the energy industry, correct? So looking at the energy industry from your perspective for the first few years, looking at it towards the future, I mean, you've seen a lot happen in the energy, energy industry in a very short period of time, especially with seeing prices go negative, you know, last year, which I'm sure was sort of like a big shock, which was to everybody, right? But what is your outlook on the energy industry moving forward? Because Obviously, there's a transformation happening, right? Companies are looking for ways to you know, reduce their carbon footprint, be more efficient, things of that nature. How do you see that playing out in the future? Very positively, very positively. When I started working in energy, I saw that this is one of the most transformative industries that I've ever dealt with. There are so many new things happening. I believe that the next stages of energy transformation are going to be very positive for anyone, for society, for workers, for environment, for governments. Because oil and gas guys really care about what they do, about the goals they have. And their goals not are always making money, as most people think. I believe that providing lights in the, in the, in the houses and providing gas for people to drive cars is a very big deal. And that's a big thing that we take for granted on a daily basis. So I believe the outlook is very positive. I see there are going to be some transformative things in terms of how we utilize energy resources, especially in power generation, 
more power generation going to depend on natural gas. A natural gas is, at the end of the day, one of the best ways to generate power nowadays, and we have abundance of it in the United States. So I think there are more power generation going to move towards that. And renewables will play a big role, but I think that's a more long-term play. At the end of the day, renewables are not just wind and solar. There are other types of renewables like hydrogen, which are being used and being implemented more often right now. So in general, more new technologies are used for energy industry right now than I think in any other industry, honestly. Do you think that your business mining cryptocurrency will be something that you'll be able to do utilizing other forms of energy like the renewables in the future? Absolutely, yes. So cryptocurrency mining has a very unique feature, which is uh, consistent power consumption. And it is not a bug, it is a feature because specifically in power generation, it is very important for any power supplier to have a consistent power user because it is very hard for energy suppliers to monitor and predict what's going to happen tomorrow with the power prices and how much they should generate. So cryptocurrency miners allow energy generators to predict exactly what the base load they may have tomorrow. So cryptocurrency mining facilities are no surprise to be installed in the location like Texas, for example, where there's a lot of renewable power, which is not used during the night, and they are using this power as a base load. Then we have some projects that we're working on where we install a mobile data center together with cryptocurrency mining equipment, together with a solar power plant, which helps to pay back the power plant, solar panels, I mean, much quicker than if you would install solar panels just to sell power to the grid. The same is with natural gas power generation. It is a very good, stable user of energy, and it is a very small footprint. So I believe the cryptocurrency mining is a very, very interesting, unique technology, specifically because of it uses a lot of power, which can be used for the benefit of the good to balance energy markets. Interesting. I read an article today that just was released, and it actually ended up impacting the price of crypto today, Bitcoin and Ethereum, that came out of major investor Ray Dalio. And I don't know if you've read it, but he said that there's a potential, and I I take this loosely because he also made some positive comments about crypto, but there was a potential that crypto could become, specifically he said Bitcoin could become outlawed in the United States if it was too successful. Is that something that you think is possible or what are your thoughts on that? Well, (laughs) I haven't read the article, but anything is possible in this world, right? But in my opinion, this is out of question. It's never going to happen. I am 99% sure there's never going to happen. I think that Bitcoin is going to be one of the most supported industries in the United States. And a lot of cryptocurrency mining companies are moving to the United States because of its regulation and jurisdiction. And look, the United States never bans things. It's not China here. They will put just another type of tax on it. So that's what is more possible, that they're going to be higher taxes to be paid for cryptocurrency mining or some other type of currency generation. But I don't think that it's going to be completely banned because Bitcoin is not competing with the U.S. dollar. It is competing with other type of assets like gold, silver, for example, maybe some other type of commodities. 
but it's not in any form used as a currency which will substitute US dollar. US dollar is still the king. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes headlines can have a lot of a big impact. And, you know, obviously, especially when they come from people like, you know, big investors like Ray Dalio or Carl Icahn or Warren Buffett, when they speak, markets move, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's it's really interesting to see how they can have an impact on certain currencies or, or assets, like you said, whenever they say something, whether it be a positive or a negative. And then obviously seeing the spike in the value of you know, Bitcoin over the past 12 months has been just outrageous. I mean, I think this time last year, you know, Bitcoin was somewhere in the six to $8,000 range, if I remember correctly. And I think today we're at what, $52,000, $53,000. So it's obviously very profitable right now to be mining Bitcoin than it was a year ago, which is why I'm sure you guys have had a lot of interest in your, in your products and services. So where do you think, in your opinion, where do you think we're going to go in the next 12 months? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a really tough question because things are moving so quickly in this industry. Honestly, I think we're not going to go further than where we are in terms of pricing for Bitcoin. I think we're going to be around fifty to $60,000 range for some time. There are going to be drops, in my opinion, to 30000 level, maybe even lower. Because you're right. I mean, a year ago, Bitcoin was at this time was around actually four to $5,000. And it started going from like April 1st or something. So the profits are too good to be truth. And if Bitcoin is so profitable, so why do we even work, right? Let's just buy Bitcoin and sit and watch it. I don't think this is the case. I think that the Bitcoin price went up because it was so long at a very low levels. The crypto winter that I mentioned was for a year and a half, I guess. And cryptocurrency miners and every any participant of this industry was slaughtered, honestly. There was no way to make any money. Every news headline was saying that Bitcoin is, is going to kill the earth. <laughs> and you had to deal with all of it, right? So currently, the Bitcoin price went up because of the institutional demand, because of the investors, like, like big investors from Wall Street started investing into this, as well as adoption. There is a technology behind it right now. Now you can buy Bitcoin and PayPal. You can store it safely at some custody. The Coinbase is providing a very unique way to buy and sell Bitcoin legally. There are ways to pay taxes on Bitcoin or any other type of crypto. So it has been adopted as a new type of asset, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But I still don't think that it's going to be going up and up with such speed as it is right now. Obviously, I'm optimistic. I would like it to go up. <laughs> but other part of myself says, well, look, it went up from 5 to 50. What else do you need? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, you have, you know, Tesla bought, what, $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. When was it? Like earlier this year? And, you yeah. know, you can, you can actually even go buy a Tesla in Bitcoin now, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. And the adoption <laughs> Yeah, PayPal allowing you to to hold Bitcoin there was a big deal that made a big jump and and then obviously, you know, the US, you know, passing, you know, stimulus packages and sort of looking at the value of currency and sort of protecting your purchasing power by putting your money in and other assets outside of the US dollar which is, you know, technically reserved for things like gold, but obviously now people are looking at Bitcoin versus gold, so I think that's pretty unique. And, and the fact that you can only like there's the way that it's set up is that there's only going to be so much that you can actually mine until it's done. Right. So 
at the current rate, you know, I think, I don't know when, maybe you can tell me, when is the last few Bitcoin projected to be mined? It is a tough question. I have to calculate it, but it's around 2040s. That's when it's going to be mined. So even though we have a little bit less than two and a half million Bitcoin left, because of the design of Bitcoin network, we cannot mine them, all of them in, in a year because there is once in a couple of years, there is a halving event, which means that reward is split in half and people are receiving less, less Bitcoin. So the more we mine and the more people are connecting to the blockchain, the less coins at the end of the day we're receiving. And then halving is regulating the supply of Bitcoin. So halving happens every four years, and the next halving is probably around three years from now. So in three years, the reward is going to be slashed by two. Now it's 6.5 Bitcoins. It's going to be 3.25. That event itself usually promotes the price of Bitcoin because supply is lowered. So within that period of time, that's when the price usually moves because there is a cost to mine a coin and that cost is very high because you need much more efficient cryptocurrency mining equipment and much more money to invest up front to get it. But at the end of the day, there are other coins to mine. So the industry in general is not about Bitcoin itself. It's about high density computing. It's about utilizing power more efficiently in the remote areas. The locations where which we built in oil pads are in the middle of nowhere. There's a, it's a Three and a half hours to the first gas station, you know, and <laughs> yet we still can make money there. We can still run something there and it's it's profitable. And imagine we can install there much like different type of mobile data centers, not only with cryptocurrency mining equipment in it, which will provide better access to data to local communities, for example. So at the end of the day, where we going as a company and where the whole world is going is more distributed everything. A distributed computing, distributed work, distributed services, distributed businesses. Like, look what happened during the pandemic. A lot of people are moving all around the country and they are working still the same job at the same place. Right. So most of our, and probably it sounds like all of the units are all on land-based well sites. Do you think, or, or are you guys maybe even in talks about doing anything offshore? Oh, yeah. This is a very interesting question. Thanks for asking it. I was so surprised when one of the companies, which I cannot name, reached out to us saying, hey, we need to install this. Can we install it offshore? And I said, guys, you are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build that platform. Obviously, you didn't plan for Bitcoin mining box to be there. (laughs) (laughs) They they said, no, we didn't. But they are so concerned about flaring that they are willing to bring a, a ship there which will be floating next to the platform. And that ship will be using the flare gas to mine cryptocurrencies. And thus, they will eliminate that flaring. This is still in a stage of an idea. But there are people who are thinking about this and actually already designing some ways how it's going to be done. I imagine that you're going to have to tackle the corrosive environment, right? Offshore, you've got salt water, things like that, the wind, everything. I have no idea how it can be done, but I think it can be done. It's it's all about how much money can be spent on that, right? Yeah, it's going to ha- I mean, I would imagine that the, the containment vessels is going to have to be super tight. I mean, you're, you're going to really spend a lot of time designing just the container itself so that, you know, you don't allow corrosion to seep in because you have all these electronic components, right? 
I mean, yeah. there's electronic components functioning offshore, but I don't believe that they would be at the, I mean, perhaps they are, and I'm not aware of it, but at the same level of, I guess, I don't want to use the word sophistication, but delicacy, you know, are they de- delicate, you know, they're not as delicate, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. We are working on a solution like that, which will not only help us to install it in the middle of the <laughs> ocean, but in the areas in West Texas, for example, it's very hot and it is humid in some areas, of course, in Texas. And for that, we, we need to use immersion cooling mobile data center. That is a cooling that is using liquid coolant where we just install computers inside and there is no way it will be interacting with the outside world. So Right, it's contained, okay. That system is being in process. We're probably going to release it within the six months if everything is on time, obviously. But we have been thinking about this because cryptocurrency mining hardware has a lot of problems itself by design. And of course, when we install our systems, some of them are highly elevated, some of them are in different climates. So their lifetime value I mean, goes down really quickly over some period of time because of their environmental conditions. What are some of the, I guess, some of the, the cyber threats or obstacles that you guys plan for when designing your containers? Because I've been noticing that more and more in the industry, the energy industry, that cyber threats are becoming more and more prevalent. What are you? What steps are you guys taking to ensure that your equipment is has you know doesn't present any more openings or threat vectors or vectors for attack for the operators? It's a very good question, and interestingly enough, we have been in a situation where some of our locations have been hacked. And that happened because of network backdoors. So right now we have hired the cybersecurity company that will provide us all the locks for those backdoors and we have, we'll have no problem <laughs> like this. But it's pure a networking question. So in terms of hardware, physical hardware of mobile data center, there's literally nothing you can hack unless it's connected to the internet. So when we install a computer inside master computer that will manage everything in the mobile data center. That's where the specific software is installed that will manage the mobile data center and prevent it from outside intrusion. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I know that I've been seeing a lot of articles come across LinkedIn about, you know, cyber threats in the energy industry. So because you guys are directly dealing with technology plugged right into either well sites and things of that nature, I would imagine that that would be something that the clients want to address with you guys from the start so that you guys can plan around that and figure out, okay, how do we do this safely so that we don't present any more threats to ourselves in the cyber realm, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, anything that is connected to the internet nowadays can be hacked. Yeah. I mean, it's a real threat. And it's something that I think that, you know, because of the rapid adoption of new technology in the industry because of COVID, I think it's something that has become super highlighted in the industry and that people are really starting to think about moving forward. And I was really curious how you guys were dealing with it because you guys are dealing with technology specifically, especially, you know, when cyber threats do present themselves, the actors, the threat actors are are usually demanding payments in some type of cryptocurrency, (laughs) you know, so I figured maybe it would be something that you guys have some experience addressing with the clients. Yeah, well, the experience we have that we definitely try to make the mobile data center that could run and do its job. Because at the end of the day, we're not just selling the system to oil and gas producer. We're providing them a service on top of it. So they do not worry what is happening in mobile data center inside. 
what process are you used to how it's being maintained it's all our responsibility and since it's our responsibility we have to take care of cybersecurity the first thing because at the end of the day we are liable interesting interesting well that pretty much wraps up the questions i have for you today sergey i really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me and, and give us some color on what you guys are doing and how you're you know addressing this really new part of the industry as far as you know, Bitcoin mining or, or crypto mining using the gas or using flare-off gas. And I'm really interested to watch you guys continue to flourish and develop. How can people learn more about you and your company? Definitely. The best way to find us online is to go to easyblockchain.net. You can follow us on Twitter, easyblockchain. You can follow me on Twitter, Sergey Gera, and LinkedIn, Sergey Gerasimovich, or Easy Blockchain. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time to, again today. And I look forward to, like I said, watching you guys continue to develop and lead the way. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Join us again next week for another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.